Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for super chicken. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer web radio show brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, author of Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, National Spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds Program and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, homesteading, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com where you can follow us on Twitter become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, Our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 
4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. How would you like to sleep in on the weekends without having to get up early to let your chickens out or not have to rush home after eating dinner to shut your chickens in for the night? And who's had the unfortunate surprise that a raccoon, possum, or fox got to your chickens because you forgot to close the coop? Well, your days of worrying have come to an end. Introducing the Chicken Guard Automatic Chicken Coop Door Opener. Working off either the timer or light sensor, Chicken Guard automatically opens your coop door in the morning to let the girls out and shuts it at night to keep them safe. Tried and trusted by over 40,000 users worldwide. Buy Chicken Guard online at chickenguardian.com or your local farm and feed store. That's chickenguardian.com. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The 1.5 horsepower motor and 20-inch stainless steel tub can handle two 8-pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance-free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardBirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardBirdChickenPluckers.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got, of course you know her, Dr. Bridget McCray, Ph.D. She's going to be coming on teaching us all about how to properly, and that's the key there, that's the key word, properly wash and bathe a chicken. Now, for a lot of people that might seem, are you kidding me? But, no, I mean, people who are in the uh, show world, the fanciers um, who show their poultry, uh, there's a lot of preparation uh, for them uh, that they uh, go through uh, days uh, not 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 just including the the ongoing all the time preparation they do to have these these uh, wonderful and beautiful uh, birds, but just the preparation alone, the list uh, the the days prior to show is incredible, and it's really amazing to watch and and have a relationship with those guys. And um, I'll just put in a plug now for the American Poultry Association that uh, we have a partnership now, and they write an article. Uh, for every issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine um, for the uh, show folks and the fanciers. <clears throat> but um, there's a proper way. And the 4-H, the 4-H kids that want to do that. But let's talk about also the um, the backyarders. Maybe you've got a new flock and um, uh, you haven't had time or haven't chosen or um, decided what bedding you want out in the run and it's quite muddy. And you just kind of get over that and you're like, you know what, I need to... Um, 
get some bedding down, but oh, my, my my birds are dirty. I need to I need to bathe them and clean them up a little bit. Now that I've got bedding down and I limit the the mud that's all over them and their feathers. I mean, there's there's a there's a countless number of reasons why you may end up needing to do this. Maybe it was an injury. Maybe it was a sick bird um, for whatever for whatever reason. So it's it's important to know the key word here is proper way to wash and bathe a chicken, whether you're fancier in, in the show world, like we said, or maybe you 4-H, FFA, um, or even uh, that example about, uh, hey, soccer mom in suburbia with the uh, eight hens, and it's time to wash them because you've had just a boatload of rain lately and the run's kind of muddy. So uh, it's going to be a great show. Get that pen and paper out, and, and we'll uh, we'll make sure you get the right information there. We've got some great, great shows lately um last week with dr mccray and the um and the grad students um talking about the study regarding coccidiosis regarding uh, green tea and um uh, what was the other one the green tea and the apple cider vinegar and then that next that same week thursday we had dr pateski on and another um a poultry scientist from UC Davis talking about environmental toxins that can affect your eggs, which was was a great show too. It's fascinating, um, and uh, just, just some things too when you're walking outside, looking around and look at the possible toxins uh, that your chickens have access to. And there's tons that were mentioned that I'm telling you, and most of us just or don't even think about it. So it was an eye-opener, and it was good. And we stressed during that show as well. It's nothing to be afraid of, or, or it's not, you know, scaremongering or whatever you want to call it, but, you know, it's just awareness. Just look around and look at some of the, and, you know, it cracks me up when some of the chicken bloggers say, oh, your chickens are going to know what's good for them to eat and what's not good for them. Generally speaking, they're going to know that, but obviously the chicken bloggers haven't been to a state poultry diagnostic lab to see the, the goody jar, the belly jar, the gut jar, and see all the things that they pulled out <laughs> of guts of chickens and screws and nuts to styrofoams to earrings to uh, uh, partial bits of spark plug and <laughs> anything else that they can get a hold of. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, definitely not the case. That's, that was a fascinating show, too. So that was a good one, unlike uh, um, it's just, again, oh, what happened here? Hang on a minute. All my everything disappeared. <laughs> my switchboard disappeared. Everything disappeared here. Oh my, here we go. Now we're back. So um, we have a great show lined up for you today. Just to give you a little recap of what's going here, going on here at the homestead. Um, let's see. Our new puppy, the great Pyrenees, is doing very well. And um, it, it, there's a fine line, though. You know, it's a, there's a fine line between pet and a work dog. And you've got to really stress with the kids, they're five and seven, um, you know, with human interaction. And I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks that have these dogs, and there's a fine line there where you don't want it necessarily to be a pet, but you don't want to, you know, you want to have some human interaction uh, with, with the dog. So there's a fine line there. You have to learn it. You have to learn where about where that line is. Um, because we want Ruger to be an uh, purebred um Great Pyrenees, uh, a a guardian dog, a livestock guardian dog for um, our cows. We have cows now here, um, our pigs, goats, chickens. We've got two lambs running around out there, and um, I'm trying to think what else is on the list. But anyway, so so you know that's but but they, we still want a human interaction. So, um, but he's doing great. He's doing well. 
Uh, I guess we just have to... Hey, there was a surprise sneak in y'all in there. I don't know where that came from because it's early in the day for me, let me tell you. Um, uh, with the three, with the, the five and seven-year-old uh, and, and limiting their actions with, with, with the dog because, um, again, we want to kind of make it a working dog, not a pet dog. There will be room for a pet dog here on the homestead one of these days. But the cows are doing great. Uh, still being bottle-fed, we're looking at probably – another three weeks. So we've already started to, I guess, slowly kind of wean them, if you will, that process of having them the Bermuda hay and the uh, the uh, pellets, the calf starter pellets. and um, But they're still primarily, you know, bottle fed in the morning and in the afternoon. And so we've got Daisy, which is our Jersey calf, uh, pure um, Jersey. She'll be our milk cow, of course. And um, what is going on? Hang on a minute, guys. The setting, I'm on a different computer, so the setting must be really short for a timeout. Uh, and then so, so we've got Daisy, and she's, she's a sweetheart, and uh, she'll be our milk cow. Looking forward to that. And then so it's a long process. So in about 15 months, we'll have her AI uh, artificially inseminated. She'll calve, and then... Um, of course, she'll provide milk for the calf, colostrum, and then we'll just continue to milk her and have milk for the family. But then we also have the steer, uh, which is basically a Holstein bull calf. Uh, it's banded, and then uh, so it'll be a steer. And then I, I'm thinking about the same time, 15 months, um, we'll be able to process T-Bone. That's his name, T-Bone. T-Bone and Daisy um, for meat. to feed our family. And that's why we have the lambs out there right now, too. In, in August, I've got to schedule their uh, processing date. But uh, the homestead is growing. We've got a garden in. Uh, it's not as big as our older homestead garden. We have a lot more property here than we did before. But our garden's much smaller just because, you know, we don't need a three-quarter of an acre garden. Our, our garden, in ideal, literally, was three-quarters of an acre. It was it was crazy. Um, and, and, and fortunately, there we can even get people to come and pick for free. And they could keep everything they want. Their bounty. <laughs> that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. So here, but we, we still have a pretty good sized garden for the four of us. Um, we did corn. Let me see. Go down the road. So we got corn. We got pole beans. Um, we've got uh, zipper creams, peas, zipper peas. We've got uh, Crowder peas. Uh, I love peas and cornbread. I just can't tell already. And then we got. Okra, I wrote okra, and then we've got tomatoes, squash, cucumber, and cantaloupe. I think that's everything that we got in the ground list past weekend. So we're thankful for the rain. We hadn't rained here, hadn't rained here in like two weeks, which is great because we got a ton of work done. I mean, we've been some crazy fencing people here. We've got the whole front pasture fenced and uh, even more fencing. We've got the garden in. So now we're getting like three or four days of rain, rain which is perfect because we just got the garden in. Awesome. So well, we're thankful for this rain we're going to have through, through Friday. And it has been intermittent, too. So it really hasn't even been all day, every day. We're going to have like four inches by the end of the week, and it's just downpours. But here where we're at, um, we, it's been really, really good. So we've been very fortunate enough to wet the garden and get those seeds germinating, uh, which ain't bad at all. Um, let me tell Oh, we're going to go get a goat next week. We purchased, well, actually, while we were on the book tour, um, 
and um, Oreo, the kids and wife, have named this um, uh, Nigerian dwarf goat. Um, it's solid black with basically a white belly ring all the way around it, so it looks like an Oreo cookie, so hence the name. How creative is that? <laughs> so I think that's going to be on the on the schedule for next week to go pick that up. And there may be a donkey in our future, too. Uh, I found one, um, tame, good with kids, even lets kids ride on it. It's already halter trained. So um, we may be making a trip next week when we go get uh, Oreo and get the uh, the donkey as well. Great, also, livestock guardian animal, uh, which is awesome. But to have one that's tame uh, is always important. And, and the price is right on him. It is a him. So it's a jack, not a genie. But uh, but anyway, so let's just give you kind of an update on what's going on here at the uh, at the homestead. So let me and I want to ask you does anybody out there have above ground pool? You know, they they come with kind of a stereotype. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to bring Dr. McRae on here. Indulge me in this conversation as well. Welcome, Dr. McRae. But you know, <laughs> we've never we've we've never had an in ground pool, let alone uh, an above ground pool. But you know, the above ground pools just you know, they they come with kind of that stereotype, and we all know what we're talking about. And you, and you see a lot of them. That, anyway, so but but I've seen some recently, and we've been shopping around. Um, and I'm not necessarily though that may be our first one. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about the ones at Walmart for 350 bucks. I did ask somebody, I saw someone had posted about that one, and it's not just the plastic molded ones. I mean, I don't know if they're inflatable or if they have the size. I don't know. But 350 to 450, they're in stock at Walmart. I think they're about 14, 18 feet in diameter. Maybe that was 12 feet. Um, about 32-inch depth. Uh, anyway, so I was looking more, uh, maybe a, try that this summer with the kids. But long-term, I was looking at the, the above-ground pools, and they come with a story, oh, they're cheap, they won't last long, or, you know, oh, that's just, you know, and I'm from the South, I was born and raised here, so I, I feel comfortable using them, oh, that's just, you know, white trash stuff in the backyard, you need to get an in-ground pool, you know, 25 grand to start for an in-ground pool, I've heard. But anyway, so we're looking, at, we got the property, an above-ground pool, and, um, so just to get over that stereotype, I see some. I've been shopping some. Some of them have like a 25 or 35 year warranty. Uh, so obviously the materials from from years past that that you just have that in your mind thinking about an above ground pool. They seem to now you know at least, and I don't know if that's bumper to bumper if you will, but just on certain parts or certain materials. But hey, you see it all the time when you're shopping around for these 25 year uh, warranty on the pool itself. Oh, and hold on just a moment, like, Andy. Sure. And then um, okay. you've got you've got the. Um, I'm dealing with a new phone. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, phone takes time. I'm just going to keep yapping. Um, so if any of our <laughs> listeners have experience with an above ground pool that you like, had for a few years that um, you've had no problems with, and you're thoroughly enjoying in the hot summer months, then send me an email on it because I am interested. It's 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 on the list. Um, just send it to cw at chickenwhisperer.com, cw at chickenwhisperer.com. And, and let me know. Send me the model number uh, because you, you see pictures of them now. they got, like, really nice decks around them. It's always even hard to tell that some are even kind of above ground pool based on the lay of the land. They may cut out an area. Well, I grew up with slope. both. Okay. I've had, I've had both in my lifetime. Um, now, are you thinking about having a 
draining system put in for the above ground? Either way, you've got to have a drainage system and a, and a way to get it all filtered. And so you the, will the have to be digging in the ground a little bit. Yeah, we've got a nice little area where there were – um, we can dig out just a little bit. Uh, we'll do that in the, to make it a little bit more level. But so one side of it, half of it, would be almost probably a little bit above ground level. So you wouldn't need to build this huge deck. You can, you know, a, a, a half a moon deck or half, maybe a half or a third of around it would be a deck, and it would be level. And then the back side would be, you know, based on the slope, uh, uh, would be the, the back side. And I see people use these decorative cinder blocks around it. I see these, they have them in oval shapes now, and, and uh, then they build a deck all the way around. It's beautiful. The pictures, you know, the, they use for selling these things are obviously Maybe mm-hmm. not, but, but even even on um, Craigslist or even when you just uh, Google it and type in images, what people have done in their backyard with the above ground pool, some of them look really, really nice. And you've, thinking, okay, the price. you've checked the rules for your county as far as child proofing. Yeah, we're out in yeah we're out in the uh, we're out in the sticks, so um, uh, we, it would be within a fenced area within our property. So I don't believe we would. Well, when you're specific. when you're done with that property. Whenever that may be, it is harder to sell a property with a in-ground pool than an above-ground pool. Because above-ground pool, before. well, being a house hunter right now, if I see an above-ground pool, I'm going to say, take it out. I'm not buying because I don't want to mm-hmm. deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to dedicate half, you know, a, about a a third to half a day cleaning that pool once a week um, mm-hmm. unless you get one of those little robots that sweep around right. the bottom yep. and then Seen that. My even they aren't perfect and they've got that thing, right, right. And, of course, I see them all the time on Craigslist for sale. But you come take it down, you can have it. Yeah, right, you're just going to do that. And the thing is just this brown water, mesquite frog, <laughs> and it just looks so gross. And um, I'm like, whatever. But um, And, and but, let you know, me tell the, you, people... you got to – I like the salt water system if you're going to do it. Because it is I've seen that much too. less maintenance. I mean, they that's do what have I had that for above ground. That, was that above ground or the in ground salt water? I, I had an in ground that was salt water. And okay. um, I don't know if they had that when, when I was little, but um, I, I'm sure my brother, who was the pool designated pool cleaner, would have loved a salt water system because, you know, he was the one who had to maintain the pool and add the chemicals. Testing and it, clean and it, checking it, mm-hmm. and adding the chlorine. And, of course, yeah, the, uh, I mean, mm-hmm, the, the, the above ground pools. They got the filters and different things like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I know it's the, I don't know, a little more research on my end, of course. We always advocate that on on the show. But um, if any you know, of my fans have listened. Repairs. And, and have, Look into the cost of repairs. Mm, like when I back the track, when I back the tractor, tractor into it. <laughs> no, for when the kids, you know, I don't know, for some <laughs> stupid reason, bring a pitchfork in the pool with them and put oh, a yeah, hole in I, it. Or the dog gets in there and scratches the lining with their toenails. There you go. You know, okay. that these things happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. So, so and of if course, you have I a know they have liner, the three, that is. 
I know they have even the, the preformed fiberglass ones. They just dig a hole, drop this fiberglass thing, pre-mold it down in the ground to backfill around it. And yeah. I know there's that route. There's probably not at 25,000 because I think the, the good old-fashioned in-ground concrete, you know, we're looking at 25 and up. I forget that. I'm, I'm, pool's not that important to me. But, but, you know, that's why I'm looking at something that would, uh, you know, I don't know. It would be fun. <laughs> kids would enjoy. I don't know how much how many how much I would get in it, but I know Jen and the kids probably would. But, <laughs> but especially the kids. So while I'm out mowing, though, after you're done mowing, I'm gonna go hop yeah. in the pool for a few minutes. You know. So exactly. I remember Let's one year about... I came back from the the state fair, and we were tearing down the chicken show at the state fair, and it was hot. I mean, it was bad. And in I don't know, I think that was the year that the storm rolled through and like kicked up every little feather and piece of dust and blew it through the barn and we were just covered and I was like, I have got to clean off before I go back in the house. So I kicked off my shoes as soon as I pulled into the garage. Kicked off my shoes, emptied everything out of my pockets and I just jumped right in. And then fully clothed and soaked walked into the house and I just I looked back in the pool and I was like yeah there were some feathers on me <laughs> and then I cleaned up in the house yeah washed off talk about that was a good first biosecurity hose down <laughs> um, so you know a lot of people you see there, the popular thing is to to put a deck around it. Well, you got to maintain the deck, seal it. I've heard bad things about like the plastic decking getting hot on people's feet, like the Trex deck, because um, it's plastic and you know just sitting there in the sun all day versus wood, which of course can splinter, get old. Um, so there are there are things to consider, give and take on on each and. You know, it's, I wish you luck, sir. <laughs> I yeah, I'll be, it at that. we'll see. I, this year I may just, I may do more research because I'm OCD about that. I may just get one of these, I think they're about 350 bucks, and I think they're maybe 10 or 12 inflatable. feet around. And I think they look, they look inflatable, you know. And then, and then yeah. um, in fact, I saw one, someone posted on Facebook and I messaged him. I got to see if the answer me. I said, Hey, have you had any problems with that pool or how do you like it? And, you know, just for the, you know, one season, we get us through this year, then great. We'll get our money's worth out of it. And then I'll look next year at maybe doing something more, a more permanent, a little bit better quality, good old, you know, above ground pool, kind of permanent above ground pool type of thing. So, but um, we'll see how that, so, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to jump in the water maybe this summer, just like we're going to have our chickens in the water when we give them a bath. I need to come see your menagerie. Yeah, come on. Yep. I mean, cows. (laughs) Really, I got cows in my front yard. Oh, my goodness. Hey, I mean, I named our cows T-Bone, too, so. T-Bone, yep. (laughs) (laughs) T-Bone, T-Bone decided to play with the humans one day, and, uh, Stranded my dad on top of a, a cement. I don't know what the heck that thing was, about the size of a car, but chased him up on there. And poor dad was trying to holler from the house. Like, Cow just wanted to play. <laughs> well, you know, humans don't play That's so all. good. We we don't bounce well. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, they are very playful, so. especially at this age. They're, they're funny. 
<laughs> but um, hey, washing. I I did a good intro. You know, bathe, wash the yeah. proper way to bathe and wash your chicken. 4-H, FFA, the fanciers, even the soccer mom when they get nasty and when they have all the rain like we've had, or and they don't have you know, they got the mud holes and whatnot. So this is something I think everybody needs you to know, know, not just the fanciers or the show folks. This this is something that will surprise a lot of people. You know, if you're a backyarder. How often do you even pick up your bird and check those feathers below the vent? I mean, it's not something that people look forward to staring at chickens rear in, so they don't often do it, but they would be shocked at how dirty those feathers get right below the vent. And, you know, maybe the tips of the feathers still look good, but down at the base of the feathers, it can be a nasty, nasty mess. I was out at a colleague's house um, filming her chickens. That's a conversation for another day. Um, but I uh, picked up her birds and was checking them. She just was like, are you kidding me at how dirty that is? That's disgusting. <laughs> like, well, you know, you can just give them a bath. Uh, she's like, well. And, you know, a lot of people don't like the concept of treating a, an external parasite problem with any chemicals. So one of the one of the very first steps you can do is give them a bath, mm-hmm. bathe them really well, and then you know clean up the kitchen space or the utility sink or the um, the Rubbermaid bins that you use. Just you know mm-hmm. use warm water, and you know you, afterwards you can just dump it out and just know that those bugs are done kaput. So, um, and people who have, you know, are trying to go the organic route, low chemical input route, yeah, I get Mm -hmm. it. But, you know, if you're going to tell the kids, go wash the chicken, provide some oversight. When I was back Mm -hmm. in Delaware, I I told a family whose chickens were just covered in lice. And I mean, Mm. bad. It was, these chickens were suffering. It was an Amish family. And I said, just give them a bath. Well, they gave the job to the two teenage boys who wanted nothing to do with this. So they used hot water and scalded the chicken to death. Oh, no. So some, oh, some oversight is required the first time. Please don't use scalding water. If your hands can't handle the heat of the water, the chickens aren't going to handle the heat of the water. But, you know, this time of year, it gets hot outside. If you've got if you've got the plan that you're going to do this outside, you don't have a utility sink. Um, although I do like finding um, utility sinks, uh, either metal or plastic with the tall legs on them uh, mm-hmm. at, uh, you know, thrift stores or Habitat for Humanity or sometimes yard sales. But if you can get three of them, four four is good, three is good. Um, but, uh, you know, fill them up. Fill them up with water in the morning. And then by the heat of the afternoon, hopefully that water will have uh, heated up. You might have to add just a tad bit warm water depending on, you know, whether you get a storm rolls through and cools things off or not. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, if if you've got a hot day and it's August or July and and it warms up real quick, that'll warm the water up. 
and get it to a, a decent temperature. Like I said, not salting. Um, but really warm water is what you want. It may take you a couple of days, depending on, on what's what. So cover it up. Don't let leaves or anything get in there. But um, if you've got access to a hot water heater and you want to fill up your, your three Rubbermaid bins outside, um, fill them up with warm water. Um, so you're going to have you, – you can start with three bins. Four is really better. Um, but, you know, I know – I realize not everybody can, can swing that many bins. And uh, so filling up one bin with – warm water, and some soap. Um, I'm not talking any soap with dyes. Ivory is good. Ivory with no dyes is really good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there are specialty chicken soaps out there. Um, Yeah, everyone's ears just perked up at that, I'm sure. Um, if If you are in the show chicken world, you've probably seen them pop up at shows from time to time. But if you've got brownish, reddish chicken, there are soaps out there for feathers that are that color and i think i think the person who's got the largest selection of them is first state vet supply which is um mr brown um mm-hmm. he's got soaps for black chickens reddish brown chickens and white chickens um so i mean that's that's a good place to start if you're into specialty go for it if you're not hey ivory ivory soap um and so not only can you clean your chickens for removing ectoparasites um, to get them cleaner, you know, if they've muddied or, or soiled themselves, uh, but you can also um, clean them up, make them look good for the summer. Um, you know, as you're doing this process, you can kind of check their bodies over and look for injuries. Uh, your chicken should should be familiar enough with the washing process that, you know, if you've got an injury or something that they, and that's the first time they've ever been in a bath, that makes it all the harder to treat the injury. And they should, they should just be able to kind of like chill out a little bit when you're treating an injury and have to wash up the space around, around an injury for, for further care or treatment. Um, But, you know, Sometimes when you're treating for other problems, you know, the the treatment itself soils the feathers and your chickens look funny. And boy, is that super inconvenient if they have just molted. Um, But, you know, you can, you know, you can remove a lot of problem organisms with washing. So starting with just plain old soap, um, ivory soap, um, other pieces of equipment you want are like a cup uh, plastic cup or something that you can kind of use to scoop the water over the bird's back. So an old toothbrush um, that you can use to scrub around um, uh, the legs and the toes. You can also use it to kind of um, get some of that soapy water up next to either side of the comb where there's tiny, tiny little feathers. Um, and sometimes the comb itself and the wattles. But just be careful around the eyes, nose, and beak. Um, of course, if you've got a lot of dirt around the nose, maybe not the um, the toothbrush for cleaning that. That'll come after the washing process and, and some of the other aftercare portions for or, or spa pedicure portions for your chicken. Um, <clears throat> I guess I guess 
it wouldn't be a pedicure, it'd be a cure. New word. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, you've got them in that water, put them down in that water. It shouldn't be so much water that it only goes halfway up their body. You do want it kind of mostly over the main body of the bird as far as depth. Um, if you've got bantam chickens, then um, make it only deep enough for them because, mm-hmm. you know, they don't float very well <laughs> after their feathers are – they become submarines, okay? So don't submarinize your your uh, chickens. <laughs> um, so you, you've got it pretty much set up so that you've got it to cover most of the chickens' back. Um then get ready to get wet. I mean, you're not going to wear your Sunday best when you do this, right? you got to wear, probably you'll be outdoors or, or someplace comfortable for you. Um, indeed, make it comfortable for you. Bending over and putting your, your Rubbermaid bins on the ground, it's going to hurt your back after a while. If you can pop those things on a table, like a picnic table, something sturdy that can handle the water weight, do it. Um, you you know, your back will thank you. Um, that's why I like the utility things. They seem to be about the perfect height. Um, and then, you know, wait for the chickens to absolutely lose their minds because they will. And um, you're going to get flapped. You're going to get splashed. And, well, you're not going to look as good as the chickens at the end of all this. <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna have frizzy hair. You're gonna have uh, um, uh, probably a redder face, without the aid of any VetRx or blue ribbon to make you look a little <laughs> bit more flushed. Um, but you know, you, you know, take any valuables off before you do this, like your watches, your Fitbit, your rings or bracelets. You know, you don't need any of that to be washed with your chickens, and then. Make sure that you rub your fingers all over the body. And I mean down to the skin. Trust me, you're going to pour water over the top of the chicken using that cup. And the chicken's going to look wet. Then gently stick your finger underneath that. Lift those wetened feathers up and see if it's wet all the way down to the skin. So that fluff needs to be wetted. And there are a couple areas that always get missed by first-timers. The thigh area or the upper leg, because those are really a dense patch of feathers that people, you know, they're fluffy too. So it's going to feel like they're wet. But if you burrow your fingers down in there and take a look, guess what? They're going to be dry as bone. So you got to really get the water worked up down to the skin under there. Um, right below the vent. That's where a lot of the messy feathers are. Um, And so getting those chickens, you know, once they get into the water and they've they've done post-freak-out mode and you've always got to keep one hand on your chicken so either it doesn't take a nap and drown or, you know, try to fly out. Everyone's got a little bit of a different chicken. But you're going to have to use your other hand back there to work loose all those gummed up feathers, that's probably where your lice problem is. And the lice are going to head um, 
for the dry section. So make sure that you deny them that opportunity by getting all of those sections of feathers wetted and soaked up. You're going to keep your chicken in there for about 5-10 minutes as you're working it through and you'll start to see, you know, the the water will start to turn a little bit of a brown shade because of all the dust that your chickens have picked up and dust bathing and poop if you've worked some of that loose. Um, and so you've got, you know, several minutes that you're going to be working there and then you're going to work towards the neck. You know, don't forget the breast area. There are actually some pretty thick feathers in the breast area, some of these breeds, but you're going to work very carefully around the neck and work up the neck towards the head. Do not try to wet the head by pouring water over the chicken's head. That's a bad plan. Um, you're not going to be able to clean the feathers around the ear because those are very stiff, rigid feathers, and, and you don't ever want to try to peel those back or, or move them in any way. Um, that would be very unfair and uncomfortable for the bird. So leave those alone. You can deal with that in the uh, the beaker portion later. But you know, if you can get that toothbrush scrubbed um, on those uh, shorter feathers uh, near the um, the comb, the wattles, the earlobes, and either side of the comb down the back of the neck, uh, it's going to be challenging because uh, you know feathers do resist water and it's going to be it's going to take you some time the chicken's going to shake its head and be like why are you holding me like this um but you know get that part taken care of as much as the rest of the body and getting it all wetted down that's where a lot of the lice are going to try to head when the chicken is wet and sometimes in really bad cases you'll start to see the lice try to head for the ears and the eyes and the nose of the bird um, just like fleas do on dogs and cats when they're undergoing a bath. So you kind of want to you want to get this done and and, and get the bird um, soaked. And you know, how much soap should you put into this container? Well, depending on like if I were using a um, like a fifty quart tote, uh, like a something that I would use as a storage bin when not washing chicken. Um, I would say a quarter cup of soap or thereabouts, um, that would do the trick. Because when you reach your hand into the water, you want it to feel soapy, real soapy. Um, But, you know, I would fill up your water, let it heat up, and then add the soap right before you go to wash the chicken because, you know, making bubbles early on isn't isn't the goal. Um, You want that soap soap to be ready ready to go when you're ready to, to start washing your bird. Scrub the feet, top and bottom, up the legs, all the way to the hawk. And um, sometimes if you've got really crusty masses and you really are grossed out by handling back there um, by the vent, wear gloves or use the, the toothbrush. Um, make sure it's not the toothbrush of a loved one because that just means you're really not a nice person. <laughs> Don't give it back. <laughs> yeah, you. So after you've been doing this for about 10 minutes and your chicken is 
thoroughly confused by the process and probably doesn't find you as fond anymore of their favorite human, the next stage is to put them in, um, you can you can either put them in, in warm water and rinse all the soap off. And if you've got a really bad ectoparasite problem, I do like this step before the next step, which is the vinegar rinse. Um, and I mean distilled white vinegar. Um, what, what I like to do is, is that allows me to really, um, you know, get, get those feathers worked free with the warm, warm water. So you're out of the soapy water. You're in bin number two. You are getting the soap out of the feathers and you can start to see, and, and all you're really doing is trying to work all that soap free from the feathers and you'll start to see a lot of those parasites fall away. Um, and you can also probably see that in the bottom of the other uh, bin. Um, if you've got multiple birds, you might be able to wash in that first bin two, maybe three, before you got to change out that water because it'll be so gross. You won't want to wash another bird in it. Um, but that second bin, you know, you can kind of see how good you did, how many parasites you're getting off. They'll start to float to the bottom, and some will float on the top. But um, you know, you'll, your bird will be there in, in that bin for about five minutes as you're working everything free. You can use the same toothbrush um, in those two, first two bins. Um, if you want to uh, move the bird over to the third bin, that is the bin where you've got the distilled white vinegar, and that helps cut the remaining soap. Um, you do not want this in the bird's eyes, nose, or mouth, or beak. Um, so try not to splash in this bin. Uh, I would say I put in enough vinegar like a, for the same quantity as I mentioned before, 50 quarts, I'd probably put in half a, a small bottle of, of vinegar until it, you know, until I could really smell it coming off the water. Um, and then, you know, you can wash all your birds in that. That'll cut the soap out. There's also another good layer to remove any parasites that may be stuck to the feathers and um, cutting that soap out. And then in your fourth bin, it's going to be just like your second bin, just warm water. And you're going to rinse that vinegar out of those feathers. Uh, again, you're going to probably spend the most time 10 minutes in the first bin, then five minutes in each subsequent bin of water um, until you're, you're all done. Uh, your chicken should be wet, um, thoroughly, thoroughly exhausted by the process, and then you take an old towel and wrap them up in that, and you've got yourself a genuine, real, live chicken burrito. So you wrap them up in there and um, set them someplace warm to dry, not necessarily in direct sunlight, depending on the day, maybe too hot for them in that towel, and don't walk away. That's the hard part. When you're done and you're tired and you just spent <laughs> 20 minutes of your life washing chicken and you only got one done, um, you you might want 
to walk away and say, oh, the chickens will be fine. Well, that's when their neighbor's dog will show up and eat them because they can't get away. Or they'll overheat and be out there panting because you did such a good job of rolling them up like a chicken burrito. Uh, But, you know, wherever you set them, it needs to be a clean, dry space. And I just like a, a dog kennel. Um, I, I do like the plastic hard-sided kennel for this purpose because um, they provide the birds with a little bit of shade and, and put them in the shade of a tree or a building. Um, for, for about an half an hour, the birds can kind of let most of the liquid soak up in the towel and then take the towel away from them because they are going to poop in it. And part of this whole procedure was to clean them up so that they weren't so poopy. Um, So clean anything out that they may have uh, deposited into the towel and uh, um, clean up their little space. Keeping them on shavings is a good idea uh, as they're drying. Uh, Then they can make sure they've got some water in there to drink. Um, fresh, cool, clean water while they are drying off. Uh, in the winter, you can wash your birds. You can't just walk away and let them air dry. you got to blow dry them. And even if you're question. getting ready for the fair. Yeah, if, if you're getting ready for your, your... If you're getting ready to um, go to a fair or go to a show and it's winter, or maybe you're doing this in springtime and the only weekend you've got, it turned cold on you. Well, after you've got them all washed, you're going to move them into a, a place where they can dry in, in like a uh, a dog crate or something like that and put a space heater in front of them um, because this, they're going to shiver and be cold. And so you want a warm space for them to, to start to dry off in. And then one by one, you're going to blow dry your chickens and really try not to get that hair blow dryer, even on the cool setting, any closer than a foot from your chicken. So tape a ruler, a standard one-foot ruler, to the edge of your hair blow dryer towards the, where the air comes out and don't get any closer than, than that ruler. Um, you're going to have to manually lift up individual feathers and get underneath those feathers and get some air circulating underneath there. Breeds that are hard feathered, uh, like the games and some of the, um, uh, like the A-seals or melees, they they tend to keep their feathers close to the body, but like a Cochin or an Orpington, they're supposed to look fluffy, so you actually blow dry them backwards. Um, your chickens are naturally going to hate this process and think terribly of you, but um, you're the grown-up in this situation, so you you got to live with it. Um, so you're going to move your hands through the feathers, get that fluff dry. You're not really concerned with the outer part of the feather. It's the fluff down at the base that you want to have dry and never, ever, ever, ever show up at a show with those fluff feathers damp or wet because the judge is just going to move on because you they know they've got an amateur on their hands. And if you took the time to do all this, you probably want to be taken seriously. And 
if you show up with a wet chicken or a damp chicken, they're going to be like, yeah, never mind. This person doesn't know what they're doing, even if it's the world beater chicken. Um, And you never want to put them back in a, a dirty coop. If you can, put them in some show cages that you have or show space separated from the rest of your flock. The the chickens that will stay home can stay in the coop, but your show chickens and your newly washed chickens should be kept a little separate. And um, probably with fresh shavings that are spot cleaned or hand-picked um, daily, if not twice a day, especially if you, if you have a white bird. But don't ever put them out in your space cold or damp in the winter time or on a cool evening. That's not fair to your birds. And if if you can, keep them indoors overnight and then check them again in the morning to see if they dried out. But if you've got a nice hot summer day that you're doing this on, you should definitely wash your chickens at least a week before your show if you're going to the county fair or something like that. Um, that'll give your chickens time to preen their feathers zip them back together, and get that oil back onto their feathers where they look their best. Um, Part of washing is also to remove the old oils, um, much like the chickens do with dust bathing. And uh, you're just giving them a helping hand there. Uh, But they've got to put those oils back in to uh, reinstate some waterproofing, get those feathers all zipped back up together. And, you know, it's... It is a process, and and grooming and preening is going to take them a couple of days. Um, So, you know, it's on you to put them back in a nice, clean environment. So one of the first things I have my 4-Hers do is on washing day, before they wash their first chicken, they got to clean the coop. And so, you know, where the chickens are going back into is already done. You might even be able to do that the day before. Yes, it does kind of make the process stretch out a little longer, but if you can spread it out into bite-sized pieces, that does make it easier. <clears throat> totally makes sense. But, yeah, hey, I, but I figure at this so point you probably that. need to take a break. Yep, I think I'm going to take a break. <laughs> Come back. i got a couple of questions for you, too, uh, about this. Okay. So if you're just tuning in. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to Dr. Bridget McRae. We're talking about how to properly wash and bathe the chicken. And we've earlier in the show, we discussed why it's not just for the fanciers and the show folks and the FFA. I mean, we need to learn how to do this if we've got chickens on our property, and we've discussed that. So the show will be archived for your listening pleasure soon after it ends, so you can go back and listen to it and take notes uh, at your heart's content. So, But right now, I've got to take a commercial break. Stay with us. With more than 25 years in the business, Eggland's Best is known for its highest standards in taste, nutrition, freshness, and quality. And now the brand is bringing its expertise to backyard farmers nationwide. Introducing Eggland's Best Backyard Chicken Feed. Feeding Eggland's Best Chicken Feed to backyard chickens will result in superior eggs with six times more vitamin D, 25% less saturated fat, more than double the omega-3s, 10 times more vitamin E, and more than double the amount of vitamin B12 than ordinary eggs. 
Eggland's best chicken feed comes in several varieties for layers and chicks, and they even offer an organic variety. Eggland's best chicken feed is now available in select farm supply, pet, mass merchandiser, and grocery retailers nationwide, including Tractor Supply. Pick up a bag for your backyard flock today. I'm about to say something that may shock you. There's a chance the mealworm treats you're feeding your chickens are doing them more harm than good. Most of the mealworms sold in the U.S. are hollow and empty because of how they're processed, leaving them with little or no nutritional value. The problem is chickens love healthy insects like mealworms, but there hasn't been a way to get access to them in large quantities until now. The only mealworm company I endorse is The Honest Worm because of the way they raise and process their mealworms. Now, they've set aside some bags only for my listeners to try for free. Just cover the cost of shipping and handling. Head on over to freemealworms.com. That's freemealworms.com. If you don't see sold out at the top of the page, that means there's still some bags left, but only for a limited time. Go to freemealworms.com and get your free bag today. Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Chickenitis holding you back from adding waterfowl to your flock? Do you suffer from a lack of duck? No worries. Metzer Farms has the remedy for you. With over 30 different breeds of ducks and geese, you will surely find your cure. A family-owned and operated company spanning three generations, Metzer Farms is the go-to source for information and day-old birds. They hatch year-round, shipping to all 50 states, plus export. MPIP Salmonella 
monitored and fluorine-free. Metzer Farms' priority is supplying you happy and healthy day-old birds from our family to yours. Visit us at MetzerFarms.com, see our farm on Instagram at Metzer Farms, and read some of the many great reviews from happy customers on our Facebook page. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. How would you like a punch in the beak? Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. And we are talking with Dr. Bridget McCray. We're talking about how to properly wash and bathe the chicken, which, again, some people may be laughing right now, but it is no laughing matter because if you have backyard poultry, you need to know the right technique to do this. So uh, let's bring her back live, and we've got we'll just wrap up this last segment. But um, yeah, I was going to ask about the, uh, the the blow dryer issue, and but I, one thing I don't show, I don't have time to show, I don't have the patience to show. Kudos to all those that that do show, and we, we do cover the shows, and we broadcast live from there before in the past. Pretty awesome. But um, I was fascinated that, you know, in my mind, you always think, oh, tomorrow's the show. We need to go ahead and bathe them, get them nice and clean and pristine for the show tomorrow. But but you're saying, you know, seven days out is not uncommon, uh, five to seven days, because you've got to, and we all learn something every day, get those natural oils back, let them preen themselves, and get back to where they need to be. It's not, uh, oh, tomorrow's the show. We need to clean them so they're as clean and as, as spotless as possible for tomorrow's show, and that's just not the case. No, no, this takes some planning. And pros know that right before the show, the morning of the show, they're going to have to do some spot cleaning because mm-hmm. chickens do sometimes end up laying down during transport in their own droppings and they get it on their feathers. So it's, it's, it's a given that you're probably going to spend about 15 minutes per bird prior to the show official start time. So if you've got an eight o'clock show and you've got eight birds, that means you're showing up at the eight at the show hall at about six in the morning to go through all those birds and make sure that the the feathers are zipped back to, together. You've got vet RX on the comb and the waddle and the earlobe and the um, and the face and the legs, and then of course people do spend time, um, you know, rubbing or spraying their birds with certain amendments. Um, for show purposes, um, but you know you'll, you need to talk to to show professionals to see what they're using, what they recommend a young person uses, and you know. So um, this is not a show about what to spray on your birds to get them ready for for the show. This is about bathing and grooming, essentially. So what do you need to do uh, once your chicken is dry? What, mm-hmm. Andy? I was going to ask a question, too. I'm guessing it goes without saying, but I didn't know people were trying to use green tea to get rid of coccidiosis either. But um, So I can't say it goes without saying. But, you know, I I guess you might hear some folks that have their own recipe for the quote-unquote shampoo or soap for your chicken. And just, I guess, tread lightly with that. Like someone might say, oh, my secret is I use Selsun Blue or I use, uh, (laughs) um, you know, that type of thing. 
guess just tread yeah. lightly with that information. I'm guessing you'll probably hear that from from people that say, "Oh, I, this is my secret, or I let me let you know I use this and that." And, and the same goes. The same goes for the diet during show season. Some people will increase the amount of oil seed or um, mm-hmm. oil base in the diet, so the bird has an easier time. In theory, I'm not sure if this is true. In theory, to uh, help the bird produce more oils and get those oils back into the feathers, so that they're in show condition. Um, but you know that's that everyone's got their own little blend. Um, but mm-hmm. when you are are grooming your chickens, when they are completely dry, um, what you'll need to do is trim the beaks and toenails. Um, you'll have to um, if you. Let them go for a year. Probably the toenails are really long, and you can start trimming back with cat or dog toenail trimmers to get mm-hmm. them back to um, a reasonable length before you can start taking an emery board and rounding out the tips. Now, if you're not sure how far back to go, look at the bottom of the chicken's toenail. You're going to see a triangle, and you'll see this triangle come to a tip. Um, and that's where the quick pretty much starts. So you don't really mm-hmm. want to trim back past that or you'll you'll go past the quick and get into the, the blood vessels that feed the toenail. And that's painful for the bird. Heck, it's painful for us. It's painful for dogs and cats. Um, so what you're going to want to do is, you know, trim back, double check, um, perhaps trim again, and then use either a rotary tool with a rock attachment, what what we always called growing up a Dremel tool, mm-hmm. and grind that toenail down uh, until you see um, the quick. And then you just kind of want to round it out um, and uh, smooth it off. You're going to do the same with the spur of a male bird. You're going to trim it back. Maybe you have to use something bigger like a, a pair of garden shears to, to trim off a lot of it. And then you're just going to use a Dremel tool or, you know, the world's largest emery board to <laughs> buff that back <laughs> to <laughs> a shorter length without hitting the quick. Um, if at all possible, avoid doing that. Um, so uh, the beak is really kind of a – depending on your bird and how often you groom them, um, the the beak does get worn down sometimes, but in older birds, um, sometimes it'll break partway through the year, and and it wouldn't be a bad idea to have an emery board on hand, you know, labeled for use in chickens only. Um, And if you see somebody who's got a chip in their beak, you can just kind of hold them in your lap. Again, they're going to wonder why. And... um, you know, lay them down on their back, and then you can kind of use, with the feet pointed away from you, you can use the um, emery board to smooth out their beaks. And you want a nice rounded beak that's just a little bit longer than their um, their bottom beak uh, so that, you know, it's got a nice rounded appearance. Um, that's also when you've got them in your lap. That's when you need to clean up around the eye and the nose using um, toothpicks that have been soaking overnight in warm water 
so that they're nice and soft. So if you've got some, you know, a little bit of crud in the, the nose that you think you can carefully, very carefully tease out, that'll keep the bird cleaner. And then using um, Q-tips to clean up around the eyes and the ears, they're nice and clean and tidy before the show. Uh, so these are little things that you keep in your show kit some um, vet rx some clean paper towels uh, q-tips you can keep a a little vial that you'll have to refresh um, a little more often with the wetted uh, toothpicks and um, of course you might want to use um, fresh towels just keep a stack of fresh towels there in case while you're doing this in individual little grooming around the face and the toenail, sometimes your birds will defecate and you don't want that to occur on your on your floor or on your lap. You'd rather catch it up in a in a towel. Um, your chickens aren't going to be thrilled with the process of you working around their face. Um, but, you know, make sure that when you rub the VetRx, you get all in between the points on a comb. If your chicken has a single comb, you want to get in between the wattles underneath the beak. Um, and, of course, the earlobes. Um, unless unless you've got like a white-faced black Spanish and then, you know, it's all earlobe. <laughs> That's a whole different scenario. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, these are all done before you throw them in the show cage. Um, what you might want to do is take a piece of raw silk, um, maybe from the remnant pile at the local store, and just wipe them down to get the last bit of any dust off those feathers and then pop them in their showcase. Now, if these are chickens at home, however, this isn't a necessary final step, um, nor is the grooming around the eyes, ears, um, and the comb and wattles. But uh, it is good to, you know, check the nose, make sure it's clear and clean, and make sure that beak is in good condition as well as the toenails and spurs if it's a male bird. But there you go. Prepping your bird for grooming, getting them all ready, um, getting them through the bathing process and getting them dry again, and then hopefully you have taken the steps necessary to get them back into a nice, clean coop. Awesome, and um, good information. Good to we we've washed our chicken. In fact, when uh, I was taking Rhode Island Ruby down to the Fox News studios back when they had the big egg recall, and um, and she came right out from the backyard, right outside of the coop and run. It was one of those things. We said, "Well, I think we better give her a bath." But it was different circumstances. <laughs> it wasn't like a show, and I had to have her. Re, you know, we just wanted to kind of plain chicken to have on national television. But, uh, but we've done that in the past when they've gotten filthy and and yucky and nasty. So it's just. Uh, but I think everybody who owns chickens will have the opportunity and need to do this, and it's important to know how to do it do it correctly. So we thank you for for coming on and uh, explaining all this to us. I know we've covered it before, but it hasn't been recently, so uh, it was well needed, especially since temperatures are starting to warm up and we got the spring rains and and um show season's kind of wrapping up but it'll start back up uh after summer so uh if people are doing that and uh, but i think fair season's coming up i mean fair season it's, it's very different nationwide because i'll see folks that 
last month. Oh, we're going. It's our state fair. And then I know we have state fair. And then there's state fairs in October here, and so I know it's, it's depending on the season. State fairs are really all all months of the year. It seems like when I see them posted on Facebook. But anywho, hey, thanks for coming on, Doctor McCray. We do appreciate it. Great information, and uh, hope you're doing well over there at Auburn and, and all of the 4-Hers in, in Alabama. And uh, we, I want to say again thank you for having that good relationship with the scientists over there, fellow scientists that, that, that are willing to do some of these studies for us. Um, and I'm looking forward to I know the, I know we got graduation and summer, everybody takes off, and we got to get fall, and everybody's got to get started in the fall. And so it may be a little while before we get another one done. When you're ready to get started, like I said, and you get that group together again and pick their brains, I've already started kind of pushing for that um, the pumpkin seeds and uh, deep warmer. <laughs> study because that's been that's probably one of the biggest and best that's out there so that that's my two cents worth you don't even have to uh, invite me uh for to the group because you already know which which i'm pushing for so but thanks for coming on today you are awesome and i hope you have an awesome weekend thanks andy have a good week great you too thanks so much and now i know that you've had cows i'm coming to you with all my cow questions <laughs> oh, oh God! Are you gonna be the cow whisperer next, huh, Andy? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. The goat whisperer? No, no, no. no. We've had goats no. for a while okay. but before. Yeah, two different types of breeds, and uh, but well, we're doing a different breed this this time actually. But no, I don't want to be the goat whisperer. The cow whisperer. No, that's just. Uh, <laughs> Over the top, and I've already I've, I've already had to experience a short bout with the the scours, is that what it's called? Scours with oh. the calf, and yeah, and I don't even know if it was yeah, bad, cause it, was, it literally lasted two days, and we started treating this was the scours, but I mean in two days it was done done i mean it was just so the, normally that can last a long time it can be very dangerous and very sickly, yes, but I mean two days I might actually have I mean first the first caught it maybe that was on our part luck that we caught it like the first time that that we noticed any symptoms and we just boom started hitting that calf with everything that we knew uh from our vet yeah we we didn't go to a cow blogger to get our information (laughs) we went right to the vet (laughs) make sure the kids are washing their hands after working with the animals oh my gosh that's just one of the things exactly when i see you in um, person i'll tell you an interesting story about my adventures in in Cowland. That's all I'm yeah, going to say. No, I, I the, the vet told me he says now you want to make sure you wash your hands because if you know there's different many things that can cause the scours. But he said if it's this, if it's this, and I forgot what he called it. He says y'all can get that, and you want to talk yeah. about the worst case that you ever had of this. That you, <laughs> so, oh. Yeah, that, that it kind of makes you. And I don't want to go to Google and type in. Things I can get from my cows. Things I can get from my goats. <laughs> things because because you because I already hear you being a scientist back in school getting uh, Campylobacter and Salmonella, getting it sprayed in your face. No, 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 no. So I, I'm not even going there to to be that to, that that paranoid because then I'll, I'll yeah it's not going to happen. But but yeah that's uh, it's, it's yeah washing. Oh my gosh, we wash your. Oh yeah, definitely we're so sticklers about that. But again. Just like we tell folks when I'm on tour, we're talking about the salmonella and the chicks. You know, you got those kids. You know, before you can even get the word no out, you know, you start you start seeing them put their mouth. You can't even get the word no out. You're it's still in the in process. The and next thing you know, for some reason they have their hands in their mouth. But no, they we we have since day one. 
cover that in and out and in and out. And the prop, now the problem is <laughs> we've, we've got our mental time frame. So they go into the bathroom, and they watch, if they're out of the bathroom in, like, less than, you know, like 15 seconds, no, 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 no. There's no way you washed your hands with soap thoroughly mm-hmm. in the amount of time you walked in there and walked. You know, you maybe, you know, so, yeah, we, and in fact, now we've got terms like you get in there and you triple wash them. Trip, wash soap, rinse, wash soap, rinse, wash soap three times we're doing triple washing. So especially if they've really got back from doing something with the animals that we know of. So anyway, hey, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll see you next time. You take care. Bye. <laughs> you too, too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All righty, a big thank you to Dr. McCray for today's show. Because it was awesome. And um, I'm looking at the schedule here. It looks like uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, there are five Thursdays in the show. So I'll keep you posted on Facebook what next Thursday brings and what the 31st of May will bring because it's a five-Thursday month. And we always do four shows a month, and sometimes it's a fifth Thursday. So uh, I'll let you know who we have on. I have an idea that we're going to have the folks from Eggland's Best um, Backyard Poultry Feed come on one of those two Thursdays, the brand-new feed that's been out since January 23rd. And uh, they're going to be on talking about their product. I think it may be, if not the only, one of the only feeds for backyard poultry that is actually pasteurized, that one extra step. Uh, So that'll be interesting to talk a little bit about that and about how if uh, that feed, and I know who mixes it, uh, they also mix the uh, same feed for the Eggland's Best Farms, produce the Eggland's Best Eggs. So We'll see if there's, you know, how, how close uh, it is to that. But anyway, we, I think one of the two Thursdays we'll have the Eggland's Best Feed guys come on uh, the show uh, and talk about that. And there may be um, another show. I'm trying to think which one. I have my notes in front of me. But anyway, we'll let you know on our Facebook and our social media and Twitter, of course, uh, to let you know what the topics are going to be. And I've started to post, of course, on the Facebook some topics for our magazine. You know, go over there and subscribe to that. ChickenWhisperMagazine.com. Uh, we don't have any bloggers writing for us. You know, hey, you know, poultry scientists, poultry nutritionists, poultry veterinarians, the right information the first time that you can rely on to raise a healthy flock, period. Um, so we encourage you to do that. You can find everything we're about, the books, everything, at ChickenWhisper.com. So until next Thursday, folks, you have a good one, and we'll see you next time right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper, brought to you by Call Up Feeds. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha